Tonight's yeah. preseason finale against Boys. the Rams. Here's Matt Smith and yeah. Kyle Reese. Holla, holla. Holla. We the boys. Welcome to a wonderful Saturday afternoon in the Mile High City. I know you all never thought it would happen. Felt like it would, would never come, but we are on the last preseason game. We're getting ready to kick off the 2023 football season. With the Denver Broncos, they are hosting the Los Angeles Rams, who have been in town all week. They've had the, uh, I guess, tumultuous joint practice this week. It was up and down. Some some said it lacked energy. Some said they just want to get out healthy and move on to the game and get Game number three out of the way. So as the Broncos prepare to strap it up tonight down at Empower Field, that's a 7 o'clock kick. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese, we're going to take you all the way up into the game, preview the game, talk about who needs to play, who does not need to play, what do they need to see. And uh, there's some guys that are playing for their NFL life, obviously. Uh, Some trying to make this roster, some trying to make other rosters. Some will be let go and brought back on. Um, but there's plenty of question marks still as we enter into this game about um, particularly the wide receiver room because it was the room that was the deepest when the season began. Twelve players on the roster. One of the most, not no, not one of the most, the most expensive wide receiver room in the NFL. You remember just a few short years ago, uh, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton got paid pretty much on this in the same week locked those guys up Tim Patrick hasn't played very much since now having two camp injuries in consecutive years that are going to uh now sideline him for this season the second consecutive year so it's one of those rooms that has a lot of questions and to help answer some of those questions I bring my man Matt Smith on board Matt how you doing brother Buddy, I am good. I just, you know, you're right. It, it's such a bummer that once again we sit in here in this same position talking about this wide receiver room that's banged up. And we've got tons to get into, right, with Jerry Judy specifically because, look, here's the thing. This is not just as a situation where you just go down the depth chart and grab somebody and put them in that role, right? You're, you might have to get a couple of guys and split those responsibilities for Judy. So another situation for this team yet again in another year where – they're going to be shorthanded, and they have to figure out how to deal with it, Kyle. It, it's it's not easy. You know, we, we were talking about it yesterday. Look, Tim Patrick goes down. I thought they could look inward. I thought they could develop a guy. I, I thought they were deep enough in the room because, as we said, there were 12 guys when we began the conversation in June. I don't think they can continue to look inward. I think they have to go. Mm. they got to go shopping now, right? I don't know, man. I just don't know. Like, who who, who are you going to go shopping for? I think you go shopping on cut down day. Okay. I think they're going to, yeah, they're going to bring their own bags, right? They're, they're not going to pay the bag fee on cut down day because on August 29th, which is Tuesday, you're going to have almost 800 NFL free agents that are all free agents at the exact same time. So for me, I would wait. I don't think you need to go pick up a, first of all, you definitely don't need to go pick up Julio Jones, right? I mean, we Please both don't. agree there. We yes. both agree there. The only other name out there would be Jarvis Landry, but he he can't stay healthy either. So why would you go do that? Why that, I feel like that's just the you're, you're just creating the same issue you have now. So why don't you see if you can't fill it at least 
for today, right, for this preseason game number three with who you have on the depth chart, and then you go from there. Because yeah. Tuesday's cut-down day. You don't need to go pick up Jarvis Landry right now when you're about to have a whole new bunch of NFL free agents hit the market. There's nothing fortunate about the Judy injury, but that might be the silver lining that it happened that late where you don't feel like you have to scramble, right? You're right. close enough to the to the cut date where you can, like you said, bring your own bag and uh, try to make the best of it. Maybe there's something in the discount. Yeah. Down. Yeah. And look, you know, today I think is it's important to note. Mike Kliss just put this out on Twitter that the Broncos starting offensive line, they're not expected to play in the first in this last preseason game. So if the offensive line that's going to start isn't going to play, Russell Wilson sure as heck isn't going to play either today, Kyle. So I do wonder if, in fact, we see any starters out there. I, I, I think that after what happened to Judy. And maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But after what happened to Judy, after the performance we saw in San Francisco, there's no use really in putting valuable players out there in a position where they could actually harm themselves at this stage. Because I think that Sean Payton has seen everything he he, he needs to in the regard that, look, you know, uh, what's the benefit here? This team isn't going to be good enough to the point where we can just go get some more work in. No, we're going to have to win by hook or by crook, and we're going to have to scrap and we're going to have to claw to make up those, those those other areas where we're deficient, especially early in the season. So why put ourselves in a position to, to potentially injure someone that's going to be valuable and then have them missing? I don't I don't see it today, Kyle. And, and then for everybody that I talked to that was at practice this week, that was last day or last day and a half. It was pretty spirited, right? It almost just uh, uh, scripted a scrimmage to some degree, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe that's the work that they needed to see. Mike McGlinchey was back out on the field. So, you know, that was kind of my concern about the offensive line not being able to get live reps together. Uh, Sounds like they accomplished that this week. Yeah, yeah, they did accomplish it this week. And I'm looking at the weather tonight because we were supposed to potentially have some, some rain coming in here, but it looks like, Oh, well, no. You know, whenever I pull up my weather app, you know where it goes to immediately? Chicago. Okay. That's not the, that's not the weather for Denver. Uh, the weather for Denver, 78, 79 degrees. No, it looks like maybe 8, 10% chance of rain because that was something that we had talked about yesterday. I know I hosted with Stoke and you were on with DMAC about the potential concerns of a slick field, but it doesn't look like we're going to see that tonight. But what fans will see tonight, Kyle... They're going to see the $100 million in stadium improvements that the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group has funneled into Empowered Field. And actually, coming up at 530, we're going to talk to Jake Shapiro, who was there yesterday on the stadium tour. And he's going to give us some insights because that scoreboard, the Broncos are claiming it's the it's the fifth long or largest rather in the NFL. They're, they're claiming it's the tallest scoreboard in North America. Does that do anything for you, Mr. Reese? Um, <laughs> I, I guess it confirms that the owners got deep pockets. Golly, man. And listen, I don't know because they also took the concession prices down, right? Everything's like well, five bucks. What, what's well, they have that? a special they have a special menu now. They, I think they got like the five dollar menu at like you got at McDonald's. So your staples, I think it's like hot dogs and, and you know pretzels and those type of things. They're, they're gonna they're gonna quit price gouging you to the inflated extent down there at Empower Field. It sounds like for the staples, which is great because if I'm going to get a stadium dog. Paying more than five dollars for that feels like I'm getting robbed. I've paid twelve before. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. But but that's kind of cool. Like it's kind of like Walmart meets Empower (laughs) Field. I'm just saying, man. (laughs) 
Let's get They're down. bringing a little of that home cooking. Yeah, cut a little it bit down of Walton Penner flavor yeah, to Empower yeah, Field. Cut it down to cost. Cut it down to cost. <laughs> so we don't know who's going to play defensively. At least offensively, the starters are there. And obviously, we'll get into all the other really cool new bells and whistles that you're going to find if you're making your way down to the stadium tonight at Empower Field. And if you are, fire us off a text on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. We got tons of time here as we're going to take you up to kickoff. We're going to break all this down. You got any questions, fire them our way. I'm curious to know, Kyle, about your, your biggest storylines for tonight. Do you have any that are just, like, popping right off the top of your head? Well, when Mike Cliss tells us the offensive line is not going to play, um, that was one that that came to mind yesterday for sure when we were talking about the game because I wanted to see – them get some live reps to, for them to be in that stadium, for them to have to communicate. Uh, but since that's not going to happen, uh, I, I guess it's going to be, you know, who steps up in that wide receiver room and finds himself at that fifth or sixth spot. Are they going to carry six? I mean, there's a few questions to answer there for me. Yeah, I think you might have to carry six because I don't think Judy's going on IR. And if Judy's not going to go on IR, then you have to carry him on your 53-man roster, right? Uh. So you're probably going to need at least five other guys, and that's something that I want to do with you tonight here as as we take fans up to kickoff. Figure out what what's going on here in the wide receiver room. Like, if Judy's going to miss one week, then, yeah, you can use that next man up mentality, and you can get away with it. But if Judy's going to be gone for more than a week then I think you have to really start making some tougher decisions. And and I'm curious to get your take there because I don't know that there is a clear decision to make. Before Judy got hurt, you couldn't clearly identify the third option right now in the Broncos wide receiver room. And and now you can't identify the second or third option. So they're going to have to figure that out. And I think as far as fans are concerned, one of the things that I'd be looking at tonight if I were a fan and headed down to Empower, and certainly I'll be watching closely, is, is the battle at wide receiver room, how certain guys are used, because it, it's not just going to come down to how you play and how you produce as a wide receiver. It's going to come down to what you can do on special teams, Kyle. Yeah, it, it, even though it's going to feel like you're a little closer to the top of the depth chart, you just got to know that there's a guy that's having his place held there. So, yeah, you're going to have to contribute in other ways. If you got to run down on punt, if you have to catch a punt, if you, if you have to go down on kickoff team, which I feel like is null and void anymore, those things are going to matter tonight at least. We'll get a weather report. We'll, we'll see if there's any other clarification on who's going to play, who's not going to play. We're talking to Jake Shapiro here coming up, but I want to dig a little bit more deeply into this Judy situation with you, Kyle, because, look, it's not a it's not an easy one and it's complex and to figure it out we're just gonna have to talk through it so we'll do that on the other side it's matt smith and kyle reese on your fan football pregame on denver sports station 104.3 the fan getting you set for tonight's preseason finale against the rams here's matt smith and kyle reese come with me now Matt Smith and Kyle Reese on your fan football pregame as we walk you up to Broncos and Rams. It is the preseason finale at long last. We made it. At a certain point, Kyle, the preseason just drags on, man. Like, once you get past that second preseason game, you're just ready for football, aren't you? And the strange part about it is, is like... They have removed a preseason game. Do you feel yeah, like you've already cut this thing down? Yeah. Can you feel, could you survive a fourth one? It's like, how did we make it through four of these things? Buddy, you, you, are you asking me if I could survive a fourth one right now? Yeah. 
Oh, if we still had it? Oh, oh my gosh, no way. <laughs> oh, my God, that'd be, that would be excruciating. Can you no. imagine if we had another two weeks to tack on to this thing to wait for real football? I'm just looking forward to the day when they remove the third and final preseason game and make it a regular season game so we can just get to the football already because college football started today. Week zero was today. Oh boy. Notre Dame beat the brakes off of the Navy midshipmen over there in Dublin today. I don't know if you caught any of that a little bit earlier. Caught, caught the back end of it, but uh, there was. You know what else? What's that? <laughs> you know what else I caught a little earlier, too, before we got on the air today? Uh. I caught Aaron Rodgers making plays for the New York Jets with Nathaniel Hackett calling the offense. And those two apparently communicating effectively on the sidelines. And I just sat there and. What could have been? What Aaron could have been? This is a disingenuous turn. Mm, well, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better myself, but apparently not with Nathaniel Hackett. I, I was just, you know, it was one of those moments where it's like, man, of course, right? Of course this was the plan. I mean, look at the way these two guys work together. They know each other, right? And it's not that it, it's maybe it was maybe it wasn't foolish for for the Broncos to think that it could have worked between the two of them, but it certainly makes just all the sense in the world that that move was made for Rodgers. But that was last year, and this is this year, right? I mean, I just I just had that moment of of ah oh, man. What could have been? You're right, Kyle. What could have been? Stings a little bit. It did, actually. Like, Rodgers Rogers <laughs> floated this gorgeous ball to Garrett Wilson for a touchdown. I'm sitting there watching it. I'm going, man, I haven't seen Russ make a throw like that in a year and a half. But whatever. Yeah. All right. Guess I just have to swallow that and move right on. And and, and let's be honest. Garrett Wilson is going to be a dynamic player. I, I, he already is, yeah. right? Do we have that player on the Broncos roster? Dude, would you know. need wasn't, it? Wasn't would, Judy that guy? Was that's Judy, what I'm thinking. Isn't he that guy? Yeah, I, I think he could be somewhere in the. I, I think they're close. I think they could be close. I, I think Aaron Rodgers could have gotten that done with Jerry Judy. Let's not even go down that road, man, because it yeah, didn't okay. happen. All right, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for pulling me out of that. I appreciate it. That's yeah. why you need friends, folks. So oh. somebody can just lean, lean down, and, and reach out a hand when you're just Don't going through it. Through it right? Don't come do here, it come yourself. here, come here, come here. Let's move on. All right, She's let's gone. move on. She's gone, brother. She is gone, and, and and unfortunately, Jerry Judy may be gone for several weeks, as Tom Pelissero reported after getting carted off on the training camp fields earlier this week down there at Centura Training Center. Judy is going to miss a few weeks with a hamstring injury. Injury. You and I haven't had a chance to actually chop it up on this specifically yet, Kyle. What what, what was your reaction there? If that's tough, right? And hamstrings, as we know, I've seen guys not get back right all season um, because it's it's a scary injury because it's a really sharp pain on the onset of it, and so you, it takes a little while to trust it again. And for a guy like Jerry Judy, who's twitchy, sudden, right, and that's such a huge part of his game. Even when he comes back and starts to feel better, not wanting to go through that or not trusting that it's not going to backfire on him, that's going to take some time as well. And it's not a foreign injury to the, uh, to Jerry Judy, unfortunately. So, uh, you, you know, I know well, guys are he, saying a couple did he weeks. Have, did he have a hammy before? Because I was looking, actually. That was one thing that I looked at this week. I, I went through his injury history. I didn't notice any hamstrings. I, I saw other soft tissue injuries, like the groin that he had last year. I thought I he had one his, his rookie year. I didn't show it on there. Yeah. That's not to say that it didn't exist, certainly. But at least on this, I, I checked a couple different injury websites because I, I thought that I had remembered something like that, too. So maybe there was something they just didn't report. Yeah, either way, it, it's just, again, for the type of player that he is, you know, needing that fast twitch, it, it's going to be a little bit longer of a road than I think some are anticipating. 
Well, the reason I bring that up is because I think the injury history there does matter, specifically with hamstrings. I think about a guy like LaVisca Chenault, who dealt with that all throughout college and now has not stopped dealing with that the entire time he's been in the league. Those can be re- recurring, right? You, sometimes if, if you got a bad hammy, man, you got a bad hammy, right? It just it just acts up on you. So hopefully he can get that right because pff, without him, we're talking about a different season. I mean, it, it, it's not that he's going to have that much of an impact on the game, but what he can unlock in, unlock in your offense, I think, just just opens it up for everybody. Don't you think so? Yeah. I, yeah, it's, he, he's a guy you can move around, right? Obviously can win one-on-one. We saw that in the Cardinals game. So you do have to go back to the drawing board just a little bit. Um, and it really stinks for him because – by all accounts, and this is a money year for him, you know? So it, it just stinks all the way around. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, they said what they call it, uh, mild? Was that, yeah, well, was they called it a moderate hamstring moderate, injury, yeah. which to me says partial tear. I mean, I'm totally speculating there, but I don't know why you wouldn't just call it a sprain if or a strain, rather, if, if that's what it was, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, just, just reading between the tea leaves. Just my, just my two cents on that one. So, so clearly Judy won't be out there, and neither will Sutton tonight. And if you're just joining us, Mike Kliss reporting that the Broncos' offensive line will not play tonight, and that was a question we had coming into the game because we thought that, look, I mean, you haven't had a chance to see this group all together yet, right? Mike McGlinchey has been on and off the practice field, but more off than on. And when he was on, he was dealing with with a with an extremely serious personal matter that he had to get over. So the first time that we're going to see Mike McGlinchey is week one against Max Crosby. And Kyle, but man, oh, man, I, I don't feel very good about that. But but that's an issue for another day. I want to I get back into this Judy situation because he, he, he tweeted. He took to Twitter again. Did you see that? I didn't. What he said? Oh, boy, here we go. It was more cryptic tweets right after. It was right after the injury. It was he got hurt. What was that? Thursday, right? Yeah, he got hurt Thursday in practice. 24th, at least, is when it got reported. Yeah, 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 he got hurt Thursday in practice. And I was laughing a little bit because I was on the drive with DMAC that day, and I felt like the tone was a little bit, you know, sky is falling negative. Zach certainly earlier in the day wasn't all that thrilled, which uh, I'm not criticizing anyone for feeling that way. It's understandable, right, when we've been gearing up to finally get out of the mud again, and it feels like one step forward, two steps back. But Judy tweeted out the crying face emoji, crying laughing. Yeah. Just that. That's how, how did you interpret that? Because it looks like he had been relatively in, you know, he was in camp mode, right? Tweets every now and then, but you hadn't seen anything from, from, from about a week and a half. And then now I'm hurt and I put a crying laughing emoji on my timeline. What, what, how do you interpret that? I interpreted it as he was laughing at the overreaction. He felt like it was just a minor injury and there was an overreaction. And that was, he was like, oh, haha, you guys are being so ridiculous. And I actually thought it was in reference to what we were talking about, too, because it was just getting negative. And I was like, ah, look, man, you could talk three to four weeks. I don't know. Let's just take this thing day by day. Andrew Mason was was talking about potentially putting putting Judy on IR. And I was like, man, if you have to do that, you can't bring him off. And, you know, for four, four games. Weeks. Yeah. So so then you're committed to not having your best option. And I asked that of Brandon Stokely yesterday. I said, Stoke, would you put him on IR? And he's like, no, no, you take this thing day by day. He said that he had dealt with hammies in the league before, too. And like you mentioned earlier, they can act up again, but you just everybody's different. And why would you limit yourself when you don't really have to if you don't have an immediately better option, which they, they're not in that position? Is IR the four weeks or is it four games? Well, it's four weeks, yeah. Yeah, it's four weeks, I believe. Okay. Because that's four games, technically. Okay. Either way, it's the same thing. 
Because if it was four Why weeks. Why would it be different? Well, because they're still, what, two weeks away from their first game, right? So if it were four, I, I, I'm assuming that's four games that you, he would have no, to No, 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 he said several weeks. He okay. said several weeks. Yeah, you have the week off, right? right? So if it's several weeks, you could be looking at a situation where maybe you're talking three to four, he just misses one game. Is that yeah, what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a bonus week in there, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. But so. I I, th- I feel like if that was a was an option, they would have explored it by now. So yeah, it yeah. was. Hey, look on the other side, we're going to talk to DenverSports.com's own Jake Shapiro because he was down at the stadium yesterday and he got a tour of all the fancy new bells and whistles that the Walden Penner Family Ownership Group used that a hundred million dollars for. And if you're headed down to the stadium, you're certainly going to see some of these upgrades. And we'll give you the skinny on what those are and what to keep your eye out for next. Set for tonight's preseason finale against the Rams. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. It is the fan football pregame. We are leading you up to Broncos and Rams, the preseason finale at long last. And if you're headed down to the game, make sure you're chiming in on the RamosLaw.com text line, letting us know you're headed down there. 303 713 1043. One guy who was down at the stadium yesterday and getting a first look at all of the brand new renovations that the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group has poured into Empower Field was our own Jake Shapiro of DenverSports.com, and he joins us now on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. Good afternoon, Jake. How you doing, pal? Good. I'm actually right by the stadium as well. There's a good helping of Broncos fans, orange and blue jerseys around. It's good to see, you know, first football day in Denver of the season, and it's beautiful weather. It's just a nice sight. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love to hear that. You know, you never you never exactly know how many fans are going to make their way down there without the starters playing, but that's good to hear. Broncos country always shows up in strong numbers, that's for sure. Hey, yesterday you were down for the stadium tour, and I know the Walton Penner Family Ownership Group poured $100 million into this stadium, Jake. What were your biggest takeaways? And, I, and let's just start with the, with the scoreboard that they're claiming is the tallest in North America. Yeah, well, a little research check shows it's not the tallest in North America. That's actually the Kansas City Royals scoreboard at Coffin Stadium. But it is the fifth largest in the NFL, and it is giant. Uh, They showed on the video they put on Twitter, and we also put this in our story on denversports.com, this little video preview, and it showed just before the whole big board flashed on how small – the old board was in comparison. And it's kind of got that ball arena thing, guys, where it's like the first year they switched the, the scoreboard out for this new scoreboard. It's like, I think I'm going to end up watching the game on TV by accident more than I am actually on the field in front of me. It's huge. It's a nice new change. And I was actually talking to Broncos staffers about this as well. They actually improved the size and the quality of the other two boards up on the north end zones as well so all three video boards are renovated they're new they're larger and it's gonna i think improve the experience greatly hey kyle i want to i want to let you jump in here next but i just want to one quick follow-up there jake is that because of the hdr right they upgraded everything to the higher definition resolution there yeah and also the areas that used to be like stagnant advertisement billboards are now digital so at certain points they can actually wipe the advertisements and put it as part of the screen, which I think will make for a nicer experience as well. And make more money. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jake, it's Kyle here. Um, With all the improvements, the discounted prices on the concession stands, uh, describe the commitment from the Walton Pinner Group about 
the fan experience, trying to make it more friendly, trying to make it more economical. What other things can uh, fans anticipate when they're down there, and how much more friendly is it now? Well, yeah, you mentioned the $5 hot dogs, pizza, slices, I think, and, like, popcorn and, you know, soda. $5 for soda, you know, it's kind of still a lot, but it's not ridiculous for a stadium price. $5 for a value hot dog, that's pretty solid. I do know from going to Arizona Diamondbacks games um, that they're, like, $1 to $2 oh, yeah. for a hot dog, and the uh, Atlanta Falcons have actually done a really good job of, of tightening up the prices for fans to have some affordable options as well as those premium options. I was able to sample some of those premium options yesterday. They're mm-hmm. good, like for stadium food. They're not, you know, I'm, I'm having a better meal right now in, in Lodo, but, you know, they're good for, <laughs> for, for stadium food, and th- that's nice that they're doing that. But, Kyle, I, I think at the end of the day, my takeaway and Andrew Mason's takeaway from DenverSports.com, and we wrote this in a story, is that the changes made add a lot more character to what has been a very bland 22-year-old stadium. It's just it's just a generic stadium, and finally this, this new ownership group comes in, and the artwork inside of the stadium and some of the murals and some of the screens that they're adding on the, the concourses, I think that's what finally gives the stadium, like, a feeling. Like, it's just been a very bland and vanilla environment for years, and that's the part I took away from the whole thing is that even though these guys might only be calling this stadium home for another couple of years, they're going to make sure these couple of, of years rock. That's- Jake, when they were when they took you through on the tour, how, did, how what was the what was the uh, where did they start? If, if you know what I mean, if they if they started in the living room, right? Where, where did they where did they start? And where did they finish? Yeah, so uh, I, I walked right through the North Tunnel. Uh, started on the field, got a look at the scoreboard from the north end zone, looking south. Um, so they opened up with the scoreboard. Across- Sorry. They opened up with the scoreboard then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They opened up with the scoreboard, gave us the tour. Damani Leach just gave us a little speech on the scoreboard, talked about the renovations, what had gone into them. And then we walked inside the tunnels on the west side of the stadium, and we walked through to where they've added some new elevators. They took us to the 200 level, the premium suites, where they've completely renovated aside for the seats, which were in great condition, and they were. Um they completely renovated these single and double suites that, you know, I, I'm never going to fit in. Those are expensive, expensive uh, suites. And we actually were in the Liberty Global, the, the, the giant company that owns Formula One and Atlanta Braves. That suite, they're, they're gorgeous suites, an amazing way to watch a football game, honestly. And then uh, they took us back downstairs through the concourse where they've added a new, like, concession area akin to kind of some of the stuff the Rockies have done. And what was smart that the Broncos have done is they actually tried to take some of the space that was concessions to make it lines so that you can get through the concourse a lot easier without the foot traffic. So we got to look at that concession stand. Then we got a look at their new Breckenridge uh, Bourbon Club, which is down on the field level but doesn't have any access to the field itself and that's going to be open before and after games. It's got a very, like, 2021-2017 casino-y feel. There's no windows. It's got some nice seats, and it's all-inclusive. And let me tell you, as someone who's had an all-inclusive seat to a sporting event, uh, that is a good time. Uh, It is an interesting concept that the Broncos are breaking out, and I think the club is only for 350 members. So uh, I, I think that's another premium option that's interesting for the Broncos. 
Yeah, it's a. Um, I, I hear you mention that it's a 22 year old stadium and it's outdated. To me, that it just blows my mind that we're having that conversation. That this is not an old stadium, but it feels like that. I, the upgrades are very much welcome, but it's like, man, it's only 22 years old. It shouldn't be that far out of date. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but like, look at Coors Field, for instance, and the Monsters have actually done an amazing job keeping that up with the time. But that was built two years after the stadium renovation in Major League Baseball. Anything built before that, Atlanta, Chicago, those ballparks, Atlanta's case has already been replaced. Chicago, the White Sox now are rumored to be looking at relocation, whereas all the ballparks after Baltimore, Colorado, have been uh, Cleveland have been gorgeous ballparks that are going to stay for a long time. The Broncos in the NFL were caught on the, the previous end of that renovation period where like, I think everything after Jerry World just raised the standards for what an NFL stadium and a facility could be, and the Broncos just missed out on building one of those by a couple of years, and now they're probably going to have to build a new facility eventually. And one of the things that Damani Leach made very clear yesterday was that these $100 million in commitments to Empower Field does not prevent them from moving to a new stadium and doing so soon. Yeah, they've, they've really made it a point to make sure that we all understand that the money that they're pouring in doesn't doesn't sway one way or another what they're going to do in the future, right? They just want to make the stadium the nicest that they possibly can while they still have it. I was reading that Wi-Fi wasn't a part of their upgrades this year, Jake. Is that right? You know, they didn't mention it. So if you read it, it's probably correct. Well, that's probably why they didn't mention it is because they didn't do it, right? (laughs) What I read is that they're going to save it until 2024, which I was was sitting there going, isn't that one of the first things that you'd want to redo? But whatever. Hey, hey, I wanted to ask you about the team store because I read that the team store got a huge upgrade. They said they added 3,000 square feet to the team store. Did, Did you go in there? Did it feel like that? Yeah, I forgot about that portion of the tour. There's so many things that happened. And right outside the team store, let me just point this out. There would be a brand new mural. It's the biggest piece of art that they have going on, and it was currently being worked on by Detour, the local artist who did the the Nuggets mural on Colfax. So Mm. that mural that's going to be done, it's it's a Broncos legend outside the team, so it's going to be beautiful Like to get your picture taken in front of that. It looks great, and it's just not even like halfway done yet. Uh, the team store itself is awesome. Like they're, they're, it's just spacious. They added, uh, I think they said it was 25% larger. Uh, you're going to be able to go there on, you know, non-game days as well and really have a nice option. It's cool to see between Ball Arena, which recently just redid their team store, and now Empower, uh, that they've, they've actually put some good stuff there. And uh, they've done this thing where they're going to do game day exclusive items, which you can't get online or anywhere else. So, like, you know, they'll make a certain number for game days, and they were already showing theirs for today, yesterday, uh, of what they would be, and that's an interesting concept. Yeah, it certainly is. Exclusivity, right, to drive people to the team store. I was going to ask you who was on the mural, because if they're going to paint a mural, you figure it's probably, you know, maybe somebody currently on the team. But I was going through my mind, Jake. I, I don't think there's anyone mural-worthy that plays for the Broncos right now. I don't think Russ has done enough to, to get himself a mural, has he? No, and it's Peyton, it's, you know, it's Randy Gratishar, it's it's the legends, it's Shannon Sharp, sure, it's, sure, it's sure. those yeah. guys. Um, <laughs> I will say they did have some artwork up of Pat Sertan, Justin Simmons, and I think Cortland Sutton, if I remember correctly. There was not much rough stuff, and that did stand out to me. It wasn't like, 
you know, last year where it was like, let's literally put a rough banner up on the back of the stadium. Right. Where we're not going to plaster let's ride all over everything, right? All right, Jake, we appreciate it so much. Enjoy your Saturday night. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you later, okay? Yeah, make sure everyone checks out denversports.com after the game. Andrew Mason is there, and I'm sure we've got some good stuff coming. I definitely will. We'll make sure to remind people, denversports.com, after the game, before the game. we got some great reading up there already. That's Jake Shapiro, who's got plenty of stuff there up himself, and he's also got a great write-up on the stadium for you to check out. When Kyle and I come back, we're updating you on injuries, weather report, and also, without the starters playing tonight, who does that open the door for exactly? We're going to sift through the sand and figure that out next. Set for tonight's preseason finale against the Rams. Here's Matt Smith and Kyle Reese. It's the uh, electric field down at Empower Field. Matt Smith, Kyle Reese taking you up to kickoff tonight. Just got the uh, the rundown from Jake Shapiro about all the new improvements, things that you can expect down there at the field. You can expect some cheaper hot dogs. You can expect a bigger video screen on both ends of the field. I guess the ones on the north end have been upgraded as well as the south end zone. And uh, it's going to be a greater fan experience. You obviously have a ownership group that is not afraid to spend money. And I don't think in this case it is a bad thing to be keeping up with the Joneses. They say Jerry's world is the gold standard in terms of NFL stadiums. I think Jake made a really great point in saying that the Broncos were on the front end because I believe 2001 was the first year, and I believe that was a Monday night football game against the Giants in which Ed McCaffrey broke his leg that they christened that stadium. And uh, they were on the front end of that thing. And so now they are investing in, and they're just trying to make it comfortable until they can actually do the things that they want to do in another part of town, I would anticipate. Matt, got a game tonight. Yeah, we do, man. Yeah, we do. And I, and I think you're right, right? It, it's just let's put some pride into this thing. Let's prove to the fan base that we, we're not just going to be okay with playing in something that was, you know, technology that was standard 20 years ago. We're going we're gonna to put some bells and whistles on this thing, right? And that's what they tried to do with $100 million. I love my favorite part, and we'll get into some of these some of these guys we expect to step up tonight without the starters playing. But one of one of the things that I thought was that but was really interesting is they used the term uh, uh, autonomous concessions. Okay, and, and I don't know if you caught any of the video from yesterday, but basically what it is, and fans of the Nuggets and Avalanche who have been to Ball Arena will understand. You know those concessions where nobody's working and you just go and you grab and you you know you pay on your way out and you're you're gone. Yeah, that's essentially what they've done. Yeah. They've called they've rebranded grab and go as autonomous, which is just that's a that's a step too far for me. I don't know about you. I I don't love it, and I thought it was crazy when you could do it with alcohol. Like who's monitoring this? What what is going on over here? It's a it's a big party. Why nobody stop counting beers, Kyle? You, you know uh, that's what? not cool. Let me mind. Don't be the fun sponge, Kyle. 
Mind that's your right, business. Right. Mind your business. We, we had heard that maybe today would bring a lot of rain. We were told that a storm was going to last for like 48 hours, but it doesn't look like there's going to be too much rain. Like a 10% chance throughout the evening, about 78, you know, low, high 70s through, throughout game time, which will be great. And then throughout kickoff, it'll just get down to the mid to low 70s. So should be a great night out there at Empower Field if you're making your way down there. The one thing I do think it's important that we talk about for everybody who's going to be watching, tuning in tonight, making their way down to the game, going to be joining joining all of Broncos country down there at Empower Field. The starter is not playing. Okay, so who steps up, right? Because cut down day is August 29th, which is Tuesday. So what does that mean, Kyle? Who, who comes to mind when I say you've got an opportunity here in preseason game three? Well, little Jordan Humphrey, Marquez Calloway. A few weeks ago, Sean Payton said he's waiting for you guys to show him more, and maybe it's because he expects more, having been familiar with him, um, but there's no time like the present. I think those two players have um, – it's a golden opportunity. Would you rather start in the wide receiver room? Should, should we start there? I think – I well, be, because the recent questions are there, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. you've got to find a guy that you're going to – who's going to be able to help you out in the first couple of weeks at least. You know, he can't just be on the team. Right. Yeah. So we were talking about these guys just being on the team a few short weeks ago. We're now we're talking about these guys contributing. Right. Sure. You're, you're down two thirds of your your trio that you entered the the summer with. So yeah, it's a tough situation. It is a tough situation. All right. So you got Cortland Sutton. Right. That's that's about the only position at this stage, <laughs> unfortunately, in the wide receiver room that is that is written in stone. Yeah. And All then right. the others. Right. All right. So then who, who, how are we going to fill this? Let's just go. Let's do it this way. All right. We're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, two, three, four. Right. Because they'll all be on the field at different times in different situations. But as far as filling out a depth chart, let's try and figure that out. OK, so who gets the first crack at wide receiver number two? Well, is, is uh, Johnson playing tonight? Brandy, Brandy Johnson's healthy, I right? I haven't seen anything that, that says he's not going to. Okay. And I'll just say, if he's healthy, he better be playing. No tonight. doubt. No doubt. I mean, I, you got to prove something. You're two years into this thing, okay? So so there's. I, I think that's your first one up. You're, hey, you're on deck. Your first Yeah, up. I would agree. I would agree. And then I think probably after that, what, Marquez Callaway? I think it's a, I think it's a toss-up. You can flip the coin between him and Humphrey. I think it's Callaway because he can do more. He, he's more of a versatile guy, right? He can go inside. He can play outside. He can give you the slot, some slot snaps, and he can go outside as, as the backside X even if you need him to. He had that one big season in 2021 with Jameis Winston. But outside of that, we expected more from him when he got to Denver. And outside of the fact that I can confidently tell you that he knows the system, I really couldn't tell you anything else that he's done. DMAC was saying the other day, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I, he's had some moments. I'm like, moments? I'm not looking for moments. Sean Payton's not looking for moments. I'm looking for consistency here. No doubt. I'm looking for something I can hang my hat on. That's what I'm talking about. You can't just be on the team, man. Like, you're, you're not a placeholder. And, and in this offense, you've got a, you've got an opportunity to be that Devery Henderson type guy, right? Mm, so Good pull. So, so, yeah. you, so you, need to, you need to be able to contribute a little more than just being able to put your shoulder pads and helmet on. Right, right. Okay, so you got Callaway, you got Brandon Johnson, but you also have Marvin Mims, and we know that we know for sure. Okay, hey, we lot. mentioned Cortland Sutton. We should we, we 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 would be remiss if we didn't also include Mims as as a lock to make the team. Right, he's a second round draft pick. They moved up for this year, but it's tough to project what he can give you because he just hasn't been healthy for enough of training camp yet. And and what was his injury? 
He had a hammy, hamstring. right? Hamstring. There we yeah, go. I think it was a hamstring. There you go, man. These guys are wound tight, man. And when they blow a tire. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you, Kyle. You're wound tight. <laughs> At times. At yeah, times. So am I. So they, it's, it's, you're not alone, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so you got Marvin Mims. Would you hold out? Okay, so out of out of Brandon Johnson, Marquez Callaway, and Marvin Mims, are we keeping any of those guys back? Because, look, I mean, if we, if they lose any one of those guys, they're really in trouble. Well, and once bitten, twice shy. I think Marvin Mims, you know, considering the, the potential field conditions, the nature of his in, in, injury, I think you go on and, and hold him out. I know you want to see him. Right. Mm-hmm. I know you want to. And I, I, want, I want to see him, too. I want to see him, yeah. Kyle. We've only seen one catch in the preseason so far. He got it. He did catch it. He did catch it. It was a little check. It was, it was a little hitch. Was it hitch? Something yeah, like that. A little hitch on for Yeah, 16 or something like that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. One of those plays that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of those one of those completions that you couldn't do without. Into That's the right. abyss of preseason football. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do want to see him. But I think giving – that you've lost so many guys, and he's had a hammy. You go on and let him take advantage of the the downtime. What what roles are you going to ask a wide receiver to play on special teams outside of Gunner? Uh, there's Gunners. Um, you know, you could honestly ask guys to to play the corners on on punt return, right? So, you know, typically those are guys that that hassle you all the way down the field. I've seen the Broncos do some unique things to make that a little bit more difficult, but you can ask them to do that. If they're if they're around that one ninety five, maybe two hundred pound mark, you can ask them to run down on kickoff and make a tackle. Um, but other than that, you know, you're not going to put them on PAT or field goal because they're just going to get drug. So, you know, there's very few opportunities for those guys, which means from a wide receiver standpoint, you have to be willing to be physical, right? Because if you're going to be a gunner, you got to get off the jam. And if you're going to be on the other side of it, you got to be able to jam somebody up and, and, and make tackles and all those things. So you got to lay it on the line. So out of, out of all these guys, who profiles like that? You know, it's strange. It's, it's going to sound. Just let me get it out. Kendall Hinton. I don't know why. It doesn't sound strange to me at all. We've seen him play plenty of special teams here in the last few seasons. And he and he's proven that he's willing to do anything to be on the football team. Right. So, yeah, man. I mean, and the thing about Hinton is the door is firmly open for him. This is a again. guy who's done. Yeah, <laughs> again. again. Can you imagine? This cat's got nine lives, man. I mean, this guy, this guy steps up as your emergency quarterback with the COVID mishap, and then he ends up making the team as a receiver just straight up. Now, maybe – the first time he made the team was like, all right, let, let's throw him a bone here. Let's keep him around for a little bit. He, he stepped up in a big way. Appreciate but then he kept you. making it. Yeah. Right? Then he just never is a cockroach you just couldn't kill <laughs> with Kendall Hinton. And I think when you're looking at the current dynamic of that receiver room, for however long you're without Judy, he can fill some of those spots. So if you feel like Marquez Callaway isn't that guy and you think that Kendall Hinton can provide more to you on special teams, punt return, Right, those type of things, at least as a depth piece or versatility, uh, as opposed to maybe Marquez Callaway, who's just going to be a receiver for for the most part. Then doesn't the tie break have to come down to Hinton? Yeah, and, and it's crazy how this thing has evolved, right? Because he remember at the beginning of camp he was on the pup list. Mm. We believe, or at least I believe, he came back a little sooner than he should have because he was feeling the pressure of the other 12 guys or 11 guys that were in that room, and he was having terrible practices. Like He, he couldn't catch a cold. And now we're talking about him making the roster because of the attrition that's taking place. You believe? Listen, I, I'm not betting against the guy. 
He, he just won't go I, I away. I believe in Kendall Hinton. Yeah. I was just hoping you'd say I believe because I would have said that you must have watched Coach Prime's speech at the kickoff luncheon yesterday where all he kept saying was, I believe, I believe. I believe <laughs> it's drilled into my head now, Kyle. I'm starting to hear Coach Prime in my sleep. Might be a problem. All right. Hey, look, on the other side, we may not see Russell Wilson tonight because the starting offensive line isn't going to play. So clearly the assumption is Russ isn't going to go tonight. But we do have uh, an extended opportunity to take a look at Jarrett Stidham tonight. And what do we expect out of him as well as Ben DiNucci? The Nooch. That's on the other side.